Hello and welcome back to Matchday Matinee, the show where we look at cinematic takes of the beautiful game of football. Um, I'm your host for today, Adam, and I'm joined as ever by Mark. How are you doing, Mark? Awesome, Adam. How are you doing? We're good, yeah. I'm in a good mood, you know? Like, the world's starting to come back to life. I feel like there's going to be a day when we don't have to say that. It's not too far away. We've been to football games and stuff. Lots of football games, right? Yeah. Yeah, two of us. I mean, we've been to a couple of Canada World Cup qualifiers. Yeah. Uh, we went to a Canadian Championship match. Those are always lovely midweek games. An extremely rainy Canadian Championship game like that. I would like to say that's the worst weather I've been to, but when I went to that non-league game when I was back home, it was like hailing. Oh, that's right. So that wasn't even close to the worst yeah. weather I've been to this year. But, but honestly, like it's, I'd want to have two extremes. For a Canadian Championship match, it's always like terrible midweek weather, so like downpour or something, or it's beautiful sunny game on the weekend, which it never is. So it's mm. kind of it adds to the the kind of element of it a bit, which is cool. Yeah, I and mean, those Canada games are pretty cool. Genuinely feels like something's like building. Like yeah. both, like the team seems to be on it. And also, people seem to like really care and getting into it in a way I've not seen. Like, I went to a Canada game maybe like three years ago, four years ago. I forget what game it was, but it was nothing like that. Um, no, because those are probably that was a, probably a World Cup qualifier match as well. But at that time, there was yeah. like a slim outside chance that we would have actually qualified for the World Cup. Yeah, but I mean, like the biggest barometer now that the team is actually catching notice is that you go on Ticketmaster and people are trying to resell oh, tickets yeah. for like four hundred bucks a ticket. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's that's kind of catching the mainstream, I guess. Which is, yeah. it's cool. I know you want to like people want to gatekeep like, oh, it's opening up to a wider audience now. But no, we need to have the amount of support where you're kind of marching down college and celebrating a Canada win. You need to have like every casual involved as well yeah. as like the people who have been there for twenty years. So like that's how it's happened in the US, right? Like they, yeah. it's slowly built up there, and then when they've done reasonably decent in World Cups, people are like, that's when people have started to get carried away, right? Like, yeah, you want that anyway. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, you need yeah, that exactly. back. That's how you know when it's going back to when we did Summer of Des and uh, Jimmy Hill talks about how you know when it's made it popular because like all the housewives are talking yeah. about it. Like you need that. Yeah. And so yeah. But like the thing that's so, and I don't want to say awkward, but just it's a barrier for it to grow is Canada is so massive and you have matches in Toronto mm. and you're growing this atmosphere and this culture and then you move the World Cup qualifiers to say like Montreal or BC place in Vancouver. And suddenly it's a different set of fans with different chants. And yeah. this is their first game in a while. Right. So it's almost, almost like you're starting from zero again. And like, I don't know, in England, is it, it can't, it's much smaller. So I'm assuming it's not totally the same thing, but it's much smaller. Plus England, with the exception of when Wembley was being renovated, always yeah. play their games at Wembley. Ah, okay. And then with the, the only exception to that now is, with four major tournaments, they'll play like one game up north somewhere. So like before the Euros last time, I think we played um, a game in Sunderland or something. Yeah. But otherwise, they always play at Wembley. And it's always like, they've got that core of like Club England fans that always get tickets, always sit in the same seats. And people uh, at, at most would have to travel like two hours to get to the game. Yeah, exactly. Which yeah. they're doing now anyways for Toronto, right? Like if you want to see a game yeah. from in Toronto, you're coming from London or Hamilton or mm. out east, you're going to travel two, three hours anyways. Yeah, um, but other teams do it. Like Germany do it. They rotate, but then it's not as big a country like you said. 
Yeah, and they have the culture growing for over like yeah, that's true. Hundred years of now, years. right? Minimum. Yeah, yeah. So cool. Yeah. What else you been up to then? What have I been up to? Uh, lots of work, and then of course you and I have been involved with the Credit River Cup. That's taking up a big chunk of our time. Mm-hmm. Um, awesome initiative. So for the uninitiated, the Credit River Cup is a Mississauga competition that we started in 2019. Uh, we've both been involved in trying to get a, a Canadian Premier League team to our city. Uh, but at the same time, we kind of just realized that we do have a couple of pro lower league clubs already existing in our city. Uh, so yeah, we put our heads together, Saga City Collective, and started the, the Credit River Cup, which is a competition between, at the time, three Mississauga clubs, and now it's two Mississauga clubs, uh, Sigma and the uh, North Mississauga Panthers. But Adam, you were kind of key in, in bridging that competition with the fundraiser initiative for this year which is the the indigenous network yeah it's a cool thing so part of my work i'm involved with them somewhat slightly i help then we might get referrals from them and stuff for some of our work stuff and also we um, host some of their like programming on our website so it's so everyone has their strengths in this stuff right like some people have got contacts in like the can stock world which i don't have my strength is the connecting with the non-profits <laughs> and having a chat with them. Um, but it's good. Like, it gets, like I learned stuff about their services. I don't know. It also ends up helping me out and work kind of, which is... That's good. Uh, useful. So, yeah. Yeah. That's uh, the time of record. At the time of recording, it's next week. I guess by the time this is out, it'll be this week. Probably right around now, yeah. But yeah. go to the Twitter account for that. So that's at Credit River Cup on Twitter and Instagram. Um, and the fundraiser might still be up at that point. We've reached our goal, which is amazing. I think yeah, we reached our goal of $1,000 in two days, uh, yeah. but we're not stopping at $1,000. And um, there are prizes stop. available too. Yeah. So if you're in Canada, if you're in the GTA, you can win tickets for York United, TFC, and Forge FC. Um, and if you donate a minimum of 30 bucks, you also get a cool Naria bag with a little uh, emblem, Credit for Cup slash Saga City Collective. So it's really cool. Speaking of people's strengths, you designed the logo on the bag and it's pretty good. It's pretty good. Yeah. Again, a lot, of, a lot of work went into that, like a lot of back and forth, which yeah. went by you sending us different drafts of what people liked and stuff. And yeah. It's fun though. It's different yeah. process working with you guys versus working with a professional club. <laughs> I get a little sure. bit more pull in these situations. Where yeah, yeah, that's true. I can veto edits that I'm not yeah. too crazy about. Totally. Um, okay, before we start, I also want to talk about some else I've been up to, playing some video games as I'm known to do. Uh, so as we record, uh, the successor to Pro Evolution Soccer came out, eFootball 2022. Uh, eFootball 2022 came out. I streamed it on my Joypads for Goalpost Twitch, and there's a video up on YouTube. Uh, I've not played such a bad game for such a long time. That was um, the, is the game playback. Okay, so I've seen everything, everything. on Instagram of... Players' arms flopping around. Uh, Ronaldo's face that looks worse than that bronze statue from five years ago. <laughs> Messi, whose eyes are almost literally, like the pupils are almost literally touching each other. So is the gameplay as bad as the visuals? Yeah, there's not. So let's start at the beginning. Okay. So they brought us a free-to-play product. So I think they've given up that they can sell like a 50 to $80 full price thing, depending on where you live. Okay. It's free-to-play. So last year, they have their own version of FIFA Ultimate Team. It was actually kind of decent. You could get pretty far without spending money, and it was okay. I was interested to see. I was like, cool, maybe they will add some more 
microtransaction stuff because they still want to make money. None of that's in the game. They took out their Master League mode. Literally, all you can do is play local multiplayer with eight licensed teams. Okay. And then you can play online 1v1 against random people with any of the teams in the game, including all the unlicensed ones. And that's it. So it's like a glorified demo at this point. You can spend $51 and buy a premium pack that gives you access to more teams to play in local. But that's not that content isn't coming until November. But you can still pre-order it now. And that's like a deal to get it for $51 at this point. So they took away the $69 game product and then yeah. charged $51 to put back part of it. Yeah. And then presumably the rest of all the microtransaction crap is coming afterwards. See, they got people's hopes up. I think it was last year because they said, we're not putting out a new product yeah, for 2021. We're just going to put a DLC update that gives you all new clubs, kits, and players. Yeah. And people thought, man, this is what we've wanted in FIFA for years. Yeah. Like, we don't need to buy. And that worked. Like, last year's Pro Evo was pretty decent. Like, me and the Laps Gamer Boys played, a, we had a, like, mini tournament of it. Yeah. Um, and it was pretty decent. Like, the gameplay, like, it's different to FIFA. Um, and we only use licensed teams to try and get around that because a lot of people can't disconnect. A lot of people find it hard because there's no licensed teams in there and it is tricky to feel as connected. Not everyone wants to do all the editing it needs. But the gameplay, so they moved engines. They used to use a thing called the Fox engine, which is the same that they use for the Metal Gear Solid games and more recent ones. They moved to Unreal Engine, which is more, there's a lot of open source tools for it and stuff and uh, textures and stuff, and you can get it, and you could they could outsource a lot more stuff because everyone uses Unreal Engine. Yeah. Um, but that seems to be where a lot of the problems are. <laughs> like, oh, uh, the weird things you've seen with like stretch player models, all because everything's just broken. The thing about so <laughs> when the thing that you've seen of like Messi's eyes stretched and stuff, and yeah. there's one of Ronaldo's face like pulling off his head, <laughs> it's like every time a player collides or something. The model doesn't move with the with the, everything that's on top of it, kind so of. So the skeletal structure beneath. Yeah, the skeletal structure is doing one thing, and the overlays, like the polygons that are overlaid over it, doing another thing. Because I saw like the gay catching a ball or something. His neck was actually like stretched backwards. <laughs> like, yeah, it looked like a giraffe. Oh. Um, so like Ronaldo is a good picture. Like when I was talking to the laps gamers before, one of them compared it to you know. Do you remember the like bug uh, farm the farmer in Men in Black 1 who's got all the bugs coming oh, yeah. out of his mouth so how his no face sugar. Is he like, wants sugar yeah 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 his face is like stretched and doesn't quite look good because it's an alien that's how Ronaldo looks it looks like they took his face <laughs> over a complete his head's so boxy and square it doesn't look like him it looks like someone's wearing a mask over him or something so that's like um, I know like WWE 2K does it like NBA 2K where you can actually do a game face mm. so you take a picture of your face and then you map it over the character yeah and then you and get it close enough and you're like, yeah, I'm fine with this. So that's yeah, basically what they did probably. Yeah. But Except not, they're a professional yeah. game company. Yeah. And then you get to the gameplay and it's like you're kicking the balls made out of lead. There's no weight <laughs> to it. Like you can hold down A and do the most powerful ground pass you can and it'll just trickle across the floor. But I um, always hated Pez though. Like it never felt... Yeah, it doesn't like, ping as round as much. The balls always had more weight in Pez than it's... It always felt big, magnetic. But, yeah, I can get that. But this doesn't feel like that anyway. <laughs> the ball just does what it wants. <laughs> it feels like trash. Oh. Um, and then I had a problem. I can. I lost my. The, it makes you play a first friendly. I lost it uh, to the computer. Like my first goal, the keeper just ran out for the ball and just ran straight past it. 
Yeah, I've been looking on Twitter and a ton of people have been posting that, like one-on-ones, where the keeper will come to meet it and then just like, it'll turn around and walk around the player but not get the ball. Um, you can't seem to do slide tackles like at all, otherwise you get booked every single time. Like even if you... This? It's just like, yeah, I don't get it. But And it's, um, so it's become the worst rated game on Steam ever because it's just got all negative reviews and the number of negative reviews bars outweighs anything positive it's just so, complete trash so we're talking worse than like no man's sky or yeah like um worse than all i of guess them. cyberpunk when that launched all broken and people giving it bad reviews wow i haven't seen no one's giving it any like good praise at all like people are genuinely struggling it'd be one thing if it had limited modes and played yeah. really well but the fact that it's got limited modes plays like trash looks like trash I can tell you one good thing they've got, actually, that's new. And this shows there was some intention. They put ball boys around the edges of the pitches. So, so they retrieves the ball. Yeah, like they, and the camera will like kind of follow the ball and you'll see a ball boy go and get it, throw it to the player. But FIFA has that, doesn't it? Nah, FIFA, the ball just bounces back or like appears next to them. Some people will grab the ball and throw it to the other player. I've seen that. I know sure. ball boys, is it? Maybe it's not ball maybe. boys. Maybe it's like uh, people on the sideline. Or- maybe. I can picture somebody throwing the ball to somebody to give them a throw-in. I feel like when it's a throw-in on FIFA, it always kind of cuts, like fades to black, almost cuts back. No, there's like Listen. a 30-second animation. Long time since I've played FIFA. I F- yeah. I, tried I, downloaded, I downloaded the trial of FIFA 22 to play that and do some videos of that as well. Yeah. Um, I, played the, I played the uh, like career mode, whatever they call it. Mm. I don't know, it used to be called The Journey with that character, uh, yes. but I'm not sure what it's called now. Actually, yeah, the game like went right into it. So you wake up and like David Beckham's texting you and then you oh. go around Paris with uh, Lisa Zamouche, who's a freestyler. Oh, okay. And then you meet up with like Thierry Henry and I've seen uh, clips of like getting recruited by Ole from Man U and there's a whole like cinematic mode to it, but I'm not sure what that's under. It's got to be like Wait. The Journey. Because the last two didn't even have... That, they had those Volta like story modes, didn't they? Which were decent. It was okay. It's like two hours long. But you know what? Yeah. The first Volta mode was like six hours long and it got so boring by Yeah, because it was hour. like here's like play all these tournaments and yeah, so this, the whole the, story. The two hour format with um like the unlockables after that was, was a cool way of doing it. I mean, the one thing that'll get me back to FIFA now, like actually buying the game full price. Well, two things. I'm at the point now where I don't want to play FIFA day one unless they add the Canadian Premier League. I'll jump back <laughs> into it. Even though I know the teams are going to be trashing it and we'll be like <laughs> an uphill battle playing with any team. Or if they add back in the creation center from FIFA 14, I think it was. Do you remember that? You could actually go onto the EA website and upload like custom club logos. And you would oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, so like the job I was working at the time was really lax. So I'd spend some days just building out entire... I think it was League One Ontario teams or even like Canadian Soccer League teams. And they were like fictitious, fictional leagues. Because you can do all that stuff in Pro Evo, like in the game. Only on PC though, right? Uh, no, on PlayStation. Oh, that's I right. Think, yeah. yeah, you can import the option files. Yeah, because there was a Credit River Cup edit by yes. Rob. Yeah. Rob, yeah, yeah, our friend Rob, yeah. That's right. Mm. Cool. Anyway, There's I have another completely two Go on. Uh, Guts and Goals. I think I sent this to you a while ago, but it's the arcade kind of, it looks like a, what's that Rampage game called? Like River City Rampage or something? River City Ransom. Oh, yeah. Okay. It's 
got that kind of like eight bit look and um, yeah, it's soccer, but it was like baseball bats and stuff like that. That finally came out. I was going to remind oh, you. Oh, okay. We'll look into this. Looks a bit like there's another one called Super Bloody. Something like that. It's like a mixture of ice hockey and football. It looks kind of similar to that, but less glory. Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. Right. Cool. I've derailed us for long enough with a <laughs> video game chat. Um, so, Mark, what are you wearing today? It's a very snazzy looking shirt you've got on. This was part of a kit binge I went on like a few weeks ago where <laughs> I was popping into winners and every week I was coming out with something new. Um, this is the 2020 Korea pre-match kit. Uh, I love it. It's not very flattering on me. I mean, stripes are never flattering on most people. Yeah. But it's also very nice kit. Yeah. Very breathable. It's a little bit of a, it's got, it's not really symmetrical. It's got like a nice breathable strip Mm -hmm. on the side. Oh, yeah. yeah. They put a bit of effort into it. On the back, it has some Korean writing, which I'm not sure what it is, but it's probably not offensive. Um, And it's part of like Nike's whole kind of refresh for them in 2020, I think it was. I love when Nike does that. Like when Nike takes, I think they took Nigeria in like 2018 and gave them a whole new uh, look and lineup. So they did the same thing for Korea. So I'm really hoping Nike takes Canada in the next couple of years and gives them that love. Rather than just Probably the basic templates. At that point as well. Yeah, their templates now are terrible, right? Yeah. Yeah. The women's um, one has a pretty cool like leaf uh, look. Yeah. I've seen that. Yeah, yeah. I have seen it. And same with... They did the same thing with the women's England shirts for a while. The women's England away kit was like a deep, dark red with like a roses, like a red roses on it. It looks so good. That's cool. Um, but the but men didn't they, wear it, right? Men didn't wear it. The men just wore a template, whatever. I forget which year it was, but it was a template kit for sure. Yeah. Um, and then now the women's have gone. They're wearing the same templates as the men right now. Cool. It's disappointing, but yeah, it's a cool thing. Um you bought me, whilst you were there, you grabbed me, not that one, the other one, just the black and white one, which is in this the, pile here. I think it's you the whole, I have that one Yeah. It's in here somewhere. And then I also grabbed Canada training kit, which is a horrible template, but also from Winners. So people in Canada, Plain check out one. Winners. And there's a lot of Man United kits and Juventus kits there as well, whilst I was sifting through. Really? Yeah, like smaller sizes, but... Kid size, okay, yeah. I bought my daughter uh, a Man United kit a couple of years ago. I never found any men's size. I did find years downtown. ago. Downtown. I have the, I think it was the 2013 one that had the blue and the black stripes. Oh, yeah, yeah. I got that one at Winners. That's one of my favorite kits. Ooh. What do you got on? I finally found an excuse to wear the golden grail shirt today. This is the one. Oh. Because the reason I'm not staying... Yeah, so it's quiet. So I had this kit as a kid. Obviously, the kid size are not fit me anymore. It's still at my dad's house. And then I bought one off eBay. I was like, wow, bargain, great. It did say it had like a stain on the arm or something, which I got rid of. But then as I was taking out the washing machine, looked on the back of it, and it was like a whole bunch of stains. I was like, this is disgusting. So I'm absolutely gutted. I used all kinds of cleaning products, couldn't get it out. Ended up getting refunded off eBay. So I was like, Oh, nice. This is legit disgusting. I don't know what this is. <laughs> um, but I finally did manage to get one. Paid a little bit more than I wanted to. Um, but it is the 1994 to like 96 Portsmouth Away kit. It's half red, half black. And it's pretty nice. And the reason I decided to wear this today is it's the closest kit I have to the season that this year's movie is mostly based wow. around. Cool. So I was like, finally, I have an excuse to actually wear it. It's 
sponsored by Goodman's. I don't know if Goodman's were a brand over here. Uh, they made TVs and stuff. They're like a, oh, no, definitely. I want to say like a budget TV brand, but like a, and they made hi-fis and stuff. Um, probably only like international or like bigger, kind of like national company we had around this time. Because after this, we were sponsored by like a local newspaper. Then we were sponsored by a mobile phone company of a cell company that only existed in Portsmouth. Then we were like sponsored by like a printing company and stuff. So yeah, it's kind of a bigger sponsor. When did you guys get the the Beanie Babies? Beanie Babies was 2000. Oh, really? Yeah. Just at the cusp of their major crash. Uh, we were in the prem. We came up in the Premier League. Then, yeah. Oh, you mean Beanie Babies crash? Beanie crash. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah they're not. Yeah. So why the was, red and black? Because I know Salmon is one of their like. Yeah. Down the colors. years, down the years, we've had a lot of red away kits. Hmm. Um, surprisingly, I don't know. It's weird. Those are the colors of Southampton, right? Red and white. Yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. So there's some people that will refuse to buy away kits when we yeah. have red on them, but if you go and look through the history, we have had red more. I've got like four or five other ones lined up there. Yeah. And then this season we've our third kit's this this copy of this kit, basically. Um, it's a bit like yeah. TFC tried to integrate blue into their oh, yeah. their kits, which is the color of their like biggest rival. But they did it right. to kind of appease fans that were pissed about the Argos moving into BMO Field. Oh, okay. So it's they like, started yeah, adding some it- blue elements around the stadium, and then they were like Here's a blue kit that honors the Toronto Metro's Croatia from 30 years ago. And people are like, we know what you're doing. Yeah. <laughs> so like people are so cynical and uh, don't fall for that stuff anymore, yeah. right? Like it's too all savvy corporate. These days. Yeah, some people, corporate people sit in a room thinking they're really clever. And it's like, everyone, someone's going to see through it. Yeah. Um, yeah, okay. Yeah, that was a good chat. Cheers, Mark. So should we get down to today's movie? We should. Good movie. Okay. We are covering a movie called Marvelous, which was a BBC drama television film first broadcast in, uh, on BBC Two on 25th of September 2014. It's a 90-minute movie directed by Julian Farino and written by Peter Boker. It's about the life of Neil Baldwin. Now, the cast is made up of... This is a cracking cast, really, when you start to look a little bit deeper and see what some of them have done. So you have Toby Jones who uh, people might recognise as Armin Zola from the MCU. He was also the voice of Dobby in the Harry Potter movies. He was also noticeable for being in Doctor Who. Um, Tony Curran, who played uh, Lou Macari, the manager, was also in Doctor Who, playing Leonardo da Vinci. No, Vincent Van Gogh. (laughs) What? Vincent Van Gogh. Is it Vincent Van Gogh? That's literally the only thing I know him from. I've oh, seen yeah, him pop you, up in other things. You know what? Then, You're right. It is Vincent Van Gogh. Totally. They, yes. That clip pops up on Reddit like once every month and people are like, here's the most beautiful scene in the history of television. And then it's that scene. That's where I recognize it from. Yes, it is Vincent yeah. Van Gogh. Not Leonardo da Vinci. You're not thinking of Assassin's Creed or something. I don't know. Right. Anyway, Gemma Jones plays Neil's uh, mother. She is famous for being Bridget Jones's mother in Bridget Jones. And she's also in Harry Potter. Uh, Greg McHugh as his friend Malcolm. He's less famous. I'd really encourage people to watch a student sitcom, Fresh Meat, which he's in with uh, Jack Whitehall. Uh, and then Nicholas Greaves as Reverend Mark, who is famous for being a Hydra agent in Captain America. It's a bit like a mixture of MCU connectivity, a bit of Doctor Who and a bit of Harry Potter all mixed in here. Now, also, interestingly, Julian Farino, the director was also directed 23 episodes of the hit TV show Entourage. Whew. 
And he's a sports editor. It was the Guinness Book of Records. Is it? It's crazy. Yeah. And then I looked him up. He used to be a presenter on a TV show that was around in the 80s and 90s in England called Record Breakers, which was really famous. And it just have like people coming on doing like stupid records and then they kind of do like features and recaps on like serious records where people would be coming in on the show and be like, I don't know, how many Maltesers <laughs> can you eat with a chopstick in a minute and shit? And yeah, so it's really cool. Um, yeah, how Guinness is still around. The Guinness Book of World Records. Yeah. Um, there also cameo appearances as themselves by Neil Baldwin himself, Norman Barrett, Gary Lineker, Lou Macari, and Uriah Rennie. Okay, so we're going to get into the plot here. Um, so there's quite a lot to it. The film is broken up into many different chapters, but basically it starts with elderly, real-life Neil Baldwin talking to Toby Jones, the actor, and asking him about his life story. We go through his life story, and in very simple terms, he is employed, he's employed as a, cra- a circus clown, then he gets made unemployed. He, through sheer tenacity, gets a job at Soap City as the kit man under Lou Macari. Um, and we kind of get a real insight into the genuine warmth. Like, Neil Baldwin is a man that loves Stoke City. He loves Keele University, volunteers there. We kind of follow his journey through that season with Lou Macari as the manager and some of his struggles through life. He moves out of home, racks up an $800 bill looking after his budgies. His mum sadly passes away, deals with that. And then we kind of deal a little bit with the aftermath of his life once Stoke City's over. Um, and that's basically... The plot, there's a lot more to it. The plot does a really good uh, narrative device of bringing up these huge, big title cards, very garish looking, that flash up, and it kind of helps to break down our little conversation a little bit, Matt. So kind of can talk a little bit about some of that. Um, so and then just see where our conversation goes about the highlights. Kind of um, like Neil, we'll just crash into different things. And- yeah, like you've kind of mentioned that there's a lot of British things in this that you have questions for so um i'll go through my notes kind of as through each of the go sections and kind of have a chat and you can tell me when you are confused <laughs> or we can talk about moments the, in the movie let's talk about moments in the movies i'm sure that yeah. confusing british stuff will come about naturally <laughs> um so yeah so the movie has a really good opening it starts with neil the meta starting so we want to talk about this so there's two ways you can take this is it, so is Neil Baldwin the actual real person talking to his younger self, or is it Neil Baldwin talking to Toby Jones about his portrayal of him in the movie? Because there's a few weird times when, we'll get into it when we talk about some of the footy flicks later, but Toby Jones asks, says to him, did it actually happen like that? And then Neil Baldwin will be like, no, it didn't happen like that. It feel, <laughs> it's weird. I can't, they're often sat on a sofa, sometimes on football stands, yeah. and I can't tell which it's meant to be. And I wonder what your view was. I can't tell if it's meant to be older self reminiscing with younger self or if it's genuinely meant to be him talking to the actor. I think it's so, the entire movie is just genuine and earnest. And I think it's just meant to be, we're not trying to do any crazy plot device where he's talking to himself in his head or anything. It's just basically, mm. this is Neil Baldwin and he's talking to Toby Jones, the actor who's portraying him in, in this film. And but my question, yeah. my question is, was any of that scripted? Or do you think it's literally Toby Jones just asking Neil Baldwin as Neil Baldwin a question? And then Neil Baldwin is just off the cuff responding. Because it really seems like that. Yeah, it, do- it doesn't seem scripted at all. Because I think he gives very short like answers like somebody 
yeah. developmental difficulties might do, right? Like, if not, he's doing it very well. Like, it looks genuine, <laughs> yeah. Like, if he's actually acting, then fair play to him. He's got the attitude that, like that's portrayed in the movie where he just showed up on set before the director yelled action, sat down next to Toby Jones and is basically asking him a question. He's like, yeah, sure. I'm going to go grab yeah. lunch now. And he just gets up and wanders off. Like it, the way the movie portrayed him is exactly the way he's acting here. So I would hope it's not scripted. Um, yeah. But yeah. I, I've never seen that before in a movie where no, the I person to being portrayed just shows up, right? Yeah. Well, they might show up as a, in a cameo as somebody else. But that's a well, yeah, okay. As a little throwaway, like, oh, this is a biopic about this person, and the actual real person was in it in the background doing this or something. Kind of like yeah, Pele. You're right. Pele yeah. shows up in the in the lobby during like one of the cool scenes just, of the movie. Yeah, but, but it's always cheeky, is, like, oh, there's the real guy. It's kind of like a Stanley yeah. cameo, right? Whereas this is yeah, like, like a wink at the camera, but this yeah, isn't exactly. that at all. Yeah. Um, so yeah, um, so we meet Neil as we hear the song Delilah from uh, Tom Jones, uh, which is a bit of a weird song, very dark song if you look up on Wikipedia what the lyrics are about. It's about um, a woman being murdered, am I right? Yeah. Something, something along those lines, right? Yeah. And then this was picked by the like the Potter supporters because they were told not to chant anything vulgar. Makes and sense. This says something kind of ironic because I Googled, there's a few songs in this movie that I Googled just to learn the lyrics and I'm sure we'll get to the other one. Um, Oh, what's it called? Enjoy yourself. It's later than you think. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, and I guess Lila lends itself to being a terrorist song, right? It's very catchy, repetitive. You can sing yeah. it. Like kind of how like Seven Nation Armies become a thing now, because everyone goes. It's simple. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we join him at the beginning of the film in the circus. He's a circus clown, a pretty good one, making kids laugh and stuff. <laughs> And uh, but his pay's short, and then his boss, who's clearly abusive to him, says, "Well, you're short, so we're all good." And it's obvious Neil's been taken advantage of, and he quits. He's like got morals, and he knows what he's worth, and he's worth whatever a clown should be paid, so he quits. Um, this is where so he gets picked up by a priest, and we really see like the innocence. And part of the theme through the whole movie is Neil hitchhiking his way yeah. everywhere. It doesn't matter where he's going, he'll wait and knowing that somebody at some point will come, like uh, wait, trusting on the goodness of others, which doesn't yeah. always exist. And that comes movie. up in the movie. If somebody asks him, like, you can't just get things by asking. And yeah. I, I don't remember his exact response, but it was kind of like, sure, you can. Like, it doesn't uh, really ask. Yeah, it's his friend Malcolm who picks him up at some point towards the end of the movie. And he's like, well, what if I didn't come by? And he's like, yeah, but you did. He's like, but what if I didn't? He's like, well, somebody else would. <laughs> and it's just like, it's so funny. Like, um, we can get into it later, but like, we don't talk much about our work lives on the show, but I've worked like a large part of my career. Pretty much all of it has been in like social services, but in particular developmental services. And I have to say that his like portrayal of an adult trying to navigate the world who's clearly got special needs is like spot on. Some of the things, some of the, the way of thinking is exactly like I've had students before go and stand outside of building thinking, well, taxis always come past here. One will come, they'll come from the event. She's like, what do you mean? You didn't even call it. Like things like that. Just naive. Um, uh, I, mean, I, yeah. naive I guess optimistic. Yeah. Like optimistic and like an innocence yeah. that you wouldn't expect in an adult. Like you'd normally see in a child, right? That just follows their parents around. Yeah. But because they've still got that lived in experience of so many years of life, like they still 
it's like when it's built up in a way it's really hard to articulate it's like built up in a way like you've got years of experience but don't necessarily learn from it all um, yeah you refuse so, to accept the worst I, there's one phrase that his mom actually it wasn't his mom i think it was makari just asks him um how are you so happy all the time mm, yes i wrote that down somewhere uh uh, oh yeah how do you, how do you always positive? stay positive he says i always wanted to be happy so i just decided to make to it be. back make it be if bad things happen think about good things and like what and then he asks him the best signing you ever made and then he says the cleaner the shorts the better the player it means they've stayed on their feet longer so just yeah. his total, whole outlook on life like, Which, like he thinks it's good if a player's clean yeah yeah um but oh it's like toby jones's performance in this was He's it's yeah. so good. Like, he has he just, such range as an actor. Is yeah. like like we mentioned about him being in the MCU. Um, there's a completely different character in that. He's in a sitcom called The Detectionists. It's about some like country metal detectors. Again, oh, they just go around with like the metal detectors. Yeah, with a uh, Mackenzie Crook who plays Gareth in the English Office. Completely different type of character. Nothing the same at all. Very like. Yeah, like educated, articulate man, and he just nails like to go. It's like two extremes of the other. It's so yeah. good. And it's kind um, of funny. Like he looks nothing like Neil Baldwin, but I think they're no. just they're both kind of odd looking in a way that they're just a, mm-hmm. a bit left of center, and it just works yeah, in that sense. It works. Yeah. yeah, but no, he amazing. Like he just plays him as so um, just kind of unassuming everywhere he shows yeah. up, right? And right. his presence is so disarming to everybody that he encounters that. <laughs> He just gets what he wants because he asks. He puts himself out there, right? Yeah. Um, and when he gets, so he's driving with that priest at the beginning, and there's a really profound moment where the priest is like, by the way, your mum's not been well. She hasn't got long left. And he says, like, none of us have. That's why we've got to make the most of it. And, like, whether he intends that to be or not, that is yeah. deeply profound. It's like, yes, in the grand scheme of things, our lives are so short. We have to make the most yeah. of it. And he knows that in his own way. And still is happy despite that. Like he's not, there's no hint of like existential dread in him. He just wants no, to make just, the most out of every single day. There's no point in dreading over it. So that song that plays throughout the movie, um, Enjoy Yourself, It's Later Than You Think, mm-hmm. which is actually by a Canadian band. Oh, is it? Um, yeah, I wrote it down. George, no, Guy Lombardo and his Royal Canadians. It might be Guy, <laughs> Guy, I'm not sure. Uh, but yeah, Enjoy Yourself, It's Later Than You Think. And it plays it multiple times throughout the movie. And it's like, it's one of those like cheery like ukulele songs, mm. but when you really listen to it, it's kind of like Neil's quote. It's it's really beautiful, but at the same time, it's really dark. It's telling you uh, like some of the the lyrics, like you never go to nightclubs and you just don't care to dance. You don't have time for silly things like moonlight and romance. You only think of dollar <laughs> bills tied neatly in a stack, but when you kiss a dollar bill, it doesn't kiss you back. All right, oh, um, and even like tying in with Neil Baldwin. Uh, I think you had said like he he stopped a girl from committing suicide by dressing as Santa Claus. Mm. And there's a line mm. in the song about uh, a beautiful brunette broke your heart. Uh, put the gun down. Today's not your end. You'll meet another beautiful blonde or redhead. Mm. Right. There's so many moments like that in that song. And yes, yeah, perfect song for this movie. Yeah, that is. Huh. I'm going to have to look that up more and look at those lyrics more. I didn't pay much attention to it whilst I was listening. Because I, I think I was concentrating on him too much. Yeah. Um, I've had it stuck in my head since I watched the movie. So I, I Google it, right? Just 
to want to know if I should put it on my playlist, which I might, <laughs> yeah. just to make sure that the lyrics are okay. Decent, yeah. Um, so yeah, so then um, we get the first of the framing moments where Neil is gate crash. Neil's guide to gate crashing university, and we kind of this is where we first get a, a glimpse of just like what a genuinely like nice guy he is. He goes to Keel University every uh, single day when freshers start and introduces them, says, hi, I'm Neil, welcome to Keele University, helps people that are lost and stuff. And he doesn't work there, he's not paid. He's not even a, not even an official volunteer when he first started showing up. He just started doing it out of the kindness of his heart. Why does he put on the priest collar? I don't know. I think it's because <laughs> like, throughout the film, there is like a, he talks about his faith a lot, doesn't he? Yeah. And um, he like, quotes his, the Bible faith, at certain points. Yeah. Yeah. He quotes the Bible throughout. His faith is different to that of his mother's. Um, like right. He goes to a different church to her, things like that. So I don't know if maybe it's because no one will doubt a man of the cloth, maybe. So he thinks it will give him legitimacy. Or it could be another fancy dress in his head. Like, but for the purpose, oh, right? Okay. Yeah. So, like, he used the chicken costume later in the film to distract the team and uh, to distract the fans. Yeah. And to cheer the team up, maybe he thought, oh, people will believe me if I'm dressed as a priest. Yeah. Like it could be as simple as that, because there's always a purpose to each of his outfits, right? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so we get that. Then we get Neil and the job market. It goes to the job center. <laughs> yeah. He talks, he's memorized the phone number for the clown association because the woman asks him if they got any jobs at the circus. He's like, no. And he mistakenly thinks she's asking for herself. <laughs> Um, but he really wants to be Stoke City manager but he draws the line at Port Vale um, this is the moment you had talked about before the egg yep. uh, pulls out the egg and it's got his face painted on it and he says as long as you paint your face on a egg and you mail it off to like some official clown association at that point you've caught you've trademarked your your face and nobody else can copy it which I guess has to be a thing because there are clown characters like uh, Bozo and uh, I just looked it up actually it is true. The Smithsonian Magazine. Since the 1940s, the way to copyright a clown's face is to paint it on an egg. Um, for some, the egg has been the canvas of choice for registered performers' unique makeup designs. And it's just stuck since then, I guess. Do you boil the egg first? I guess you'd have to hard boil the egg. Hard boil it, yeah. Otherwise, that's brutal. We can't still gonna, still oh, no, actually, answer. hollowed out. So hard boiled and hollowed out. Ah, put a little hole in it and then drain it out. Yeah. Um, you have to eat the egg and you still have your your likeness yeah, trademark. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so ensure that the full face paint was uh, like painted out there before they had any sort of 3D models they could use and to ensure no two clowns were alike. That's hilarious. There's actually some pictures of like collections of them that are in museums. I guess there must be, if it's in the Smithsonian's website, there must be a yeah. collection at the Smithsonian. It's in the Institute somewhere. Uh, that's that's really incredible. Cool. So yeah, a nice little attention to detail, whether that came from the script writers or whether Neil himself said Neil. to them, <laughs> yeah, Neil's like, you've got to remember the egg. Because yeah. the important thing about Put this film is, is you go and look up a lot of these facts and to think that can't have actually happened. And with the exception of one moment in the film, everything pretty much seems to be like, yep, this is what happened according to him or according to other people that worked with him. Like, none of it's, like, fake or embellished or anything. It's like, this is actually <laughs> a really good performance by Toby Jones, but based on a lot of fact. Like, not just based on a true story, but pretty much a true story. So up to this point, we haven't had anything too crazy, but as you move through the plot, I'm going to I'm gonna call BS on some of them and see if they actually <laughs> happen. We can do a quick yeah. Google search. 
So after the um, job interview, they go shopping and mom is trying desperately to teach Neil about how to do shopping properly because she needs him to be independent when she's not around. A legitimate fear a lot of people have for their kids, whether they have special needs or not. Like you want your kids to be fine when you're gone. And for her, that means him being able to go out shopping and not always having to rely on other people. Be self-sufficient, yeah. Yeah, he doesn't get it. He thinks he puts, he's always sneaking food. He puts biscuits into the <laughs> shopping cart. He puts fruit pastels in and she has to tell him they don't count as fruit. Okay, fruit pastels. What are they? Like a sugary, chewy gummy. Comes in like a chew. Um, fruit very by the good. Foot. Right? Fruit by the foot? Kind of, but they're fruit like roller. round. Round, sweet, separate sweets though. Different flavors. Uh, Not a sheet. Not a sheet, no. But similar taste, I guess, but with sugar on it. Is it individual, from, individual does it look like it was sweets. fruit at some point, or does it look like it was made from like a chemical plant? No, nah, it's made from a chemical plant. They're just round, sugary sweets. I'm trying to think of anything here that's similar. Just a candy, I guess. Oh, yeah, they're just uh, wine gums with like Yeah, sugar. wine gums okay, with okay. sugar, I guess. Yeah, yeah. All right, all right. But they don't taste like wine gums, because wine gums have got a unique taste. These taste like fruit. Wine gums are my second favorite candy behind Mike and Ike's. I like a wine gum. It's texture. Maybe better. Um, We find out he's into birds and he gets an 800 pound bill for his lighting bill and heating because he's got to keep his budgies alive. (laughs) Um, Yeah. Uh, So then next we have uh, Neil Baldwin's Guide to Crashing Parliament. So he decides to go to the House of Commons um, it's quite a funny moment here actually he tells somebody he's going to the House of Collins and he's dressed as a clown and the guy just goes yep figures kind of speaking to politicians <laughs> being clowns um, he goes to see Tony Benn former Secretary of State and he asks if he can leave him a note and he does get to speak to him and this meeting did actually take place as well was it Tony Benn? Tony Benn yeah B-E-N-N uh, I thought it was Tony Blair for some reason Oh, uh, that would have been a little bit before his time. Ah, okay. This would have been the Conservative government prior to Labour taking okay. over that time. Um, so he goes there, and then he comes back and tells his mum where he's been, and he says, don't worry, it'll all pay off when I get Stoke City manager's job. <laughs> and she's like, Lou Macari already got it. What do you want about? So um, he goes and waits there the next day, greets him and everything as he comes in, and then... It being his first day in football management committee, he's there for like, I don't know, like 15, 16 hours or something. And uh, Neil waits the whole time through rain, cold, everything. Um, all he wants to say is, if you need anything from me, you know where I am, let me know. I'm here for you. And what was he working on? Up, he was working on something in the parking lot too, right? Was it like a, a roster sheet or something? Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, I don't remember what that was. Yeah, so oh, you know, it might have been because I think before this, they introduced the Neil Baldwin Football Club. Oh, yes. And he's writing the list of players or something. Yeah, the formations for it. And that's a cool story too, yeah. Yeah. Um, Says his face didn't fit as a clown. Um, It's very nice of Lou to like give him the time of day. And this is the other side to it. It's all well and good. Uh, Neil's like tenacity and stuff. But there's also an element of like fortune to his story that he, there was enough people around that didn't just tell him where to go. Like Lou McCurry could have been like, oh, okay, this is the guy that's a little bit off kilter and is going to be here every night. And he could have just said, nice to see you, Neil, and walked on, but he didn't. He saw like the value in Neil and thought, yeah. I need somebody like you. I'm going to give you a job. Um, 
Mum doesn't believe him. No one seems to believe him. Um, Mum even goes to see Lou at some point and tells her that the right man for the job. And then one of the funniest things is we start to see like Neil's sense of humour in and around the players. He dresses up as a chicken. <laughs> <laughs> and then, so it's two purposes. It makes all the players laugh when Lou's giving his team talk, but it also distracts the away fans from hurling abuse at players. Yeah. And instead they hurl abuse at Neil saying, what the fuck are you dressed like? What are you doing? The, um, um, the conversation between Neil's mom and Lou Macari, he kind of... He doesn't. He dances around the question of: Is there something wrong with Neil? Um, mm. Does he have learning difficulties or something like that? Like he doesn't directly uh, ask her, and she almost doesn't acknowledge it. So I'm not sure if they've ever. Well, Neil was sitting in on the as an adolescent. He was sitting in the, the classroom or the principal's yeah. office when that was told to them, right? But aside mm. from that, you never see him in any like special programs or anything. At least no, and he thing is, he might be slightly of that generation where it's a little bit too early for that kind of stuff. Okay. It would have just been identified, like here in Canada, they call it NOS. So at first you'll have a learning a developmental delay or so, or a learning delay. Yeah. And then in the past, once you got over a certain age, they'll just say you have a disability that's NOS, and it just means not otherwise specified. And that kind of becomes your tag, and it's just like, yeah, they're just delayed. Some people will even say, like, slow, and it's just like that kind of stuck. So thinking of this era, he was probably went through the school system a little bit too early. To have been diagnosed in a way like a child is now, um, yeah. and you get that so, scene where they're on the the bus, and I think Toby Jones asks them like, "Did it ever bother you um, when people were bothering him because of his difficulties?" Hmm. And Baldwin just answers like, "What difficulties?" Yeah, like, I can't tell if he's playing coy or if he understands, and he just says, "People are going to be people," and you know what I mean? Yeah, it's just probably like a bit else. of both. Yeah, right. and he does. He's always like around this time. It's when. They actually see one of the players call him something derogatory. Yeah. And he doesn't seem to care. He just carries on with it. He carries on lining the kits and everything. And well, he takes so much. <laughs> yeah. And it's like he must have in his life faced so many things. And he just carries on with it with that like happy disposition. Yeah. Um, kind of around here, we see him lining all the kits up and he's like doing it perfectly. And it's about like all right. Um, so I used to work in like a, it was called pre-vocational program. So it was trying to find people employment. Yeah. And it's like, that might sound, you might have, say somebody in a wheelchair and you think it's impossible. What can they do? They have learning differences in a wheelchair. It's about, you might be able to find somebody a very specific task, but they still have a place somewhere. And if you find like the right employer, I used to work with a guy that loved ironing. I found him a job at a school uniform store and he just spent, he would go there like two or three mornings a week and just iron all the school shirts to put up on the shelves. That's really cool. And it's like a perfect job for him. Yeah. Because all the sales assistants hate ironing. Yeah. <laughs> but he yes. does it. He comes on delivery days, counts them all in, irons all the shirts, puts them all up. Done. That's cool. And it's like about finding that place in society. And for Neil, it was a bit of an exceptional story. Yeah. Um, played That's to his awesome. strengths for sure. Um, we get rid of the scene with the Scottish, where he dresses <laughs> up as like a stereotypical Scottish man, like big belly. A ginger beard. Kilt. A kilt, yeah. A sporran, which is a little pouch in front of the kilt. He's got the... Highlander, I think it is, right? Would be. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And so we have the film footage, and it cuts to the real footage of when it actually happened. Such a good way of doing it. Lou Macari is being interviewed on TV (laughs) by the local TV. And he's just there stood behind him. And you can't see his face. You can just see the stomach and the kilt. And it's hilarious. And, like, you can tell... 
Lou doesn't find like the, again the wrong person might be like you made me look like an absolute idiot on TV. What the hell is your wrong with you? Yeah, it's never mean spirit. It's all for a bit of a laugh. Yeah, he's pulling um, up the kilt above his stomach, and you just see his big <laughs> gut. <laughs> yeah, it's he's, so good. It's it's funny. Like I think uh, Neil Baldwin, the the actual person, is a bit taller than uh, yeah. Toby Jones, but they're both very bowling pin shaped. Mm. They, they they nailed that shape perfectly, the body type. Uh, but yeah. yeah, he's lifting up the kilt, and you see the stomach popping out, and then it cuts to the the film crew that are filming yeah. the the. The um, the interview, but so those are modern. Th- that's a modern yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. take. Yeah, and then yeah, they use the actual footage from the Lubakari thing, and it's such a good way of doing it. Like, why have Toby Jones recreate that? It's just perfect. Yeah, it was yeah. so good. And like, yeah, why get an actor to try and pretend to laugh how Lubakari was and try or trying to laugh whilst also still do the interview? You couldn't have done so it justice. genuine. Yeah, and that footage is out there. <laughs> yeah, it's around this time as well that. Um, Lou McCary says about Neil, like he doesn't have an angle. He's just the most genuine person. He's quick on the uptake around here. Like he, he's really like a fixer and knows how stuff works in the club and it all just molds together. Um, and I lose like, of course, like we're going to look after him here and stuff. And he gives a team talk that's hilarious as well. He's doing an impression of Brian Clough and it's like a really good impression. Like, so I didn't know this story going in and I was like, I think he's doing Clough. But why the tuxedo? I don't know why he's wearing tuxedo. The tuxedo I just, that, hat. Why? I don't know if that's just another funny costume or what. But oh. like the voice was spot on to me. Because then Louis McCarthy is like, was that supposed to be me? And he's like, no, Brian Clough. Brian Clough. <laughs> yeah. And it's just like, he calls one of the guys Thumper and he's like, my name's not Thumper. And he's like, if I call you Thumper, your name's Thumper. And this is what you've got in your noggins, which means head. It's very weird, funny. It's very funny though. But they go out and win 3 0. He's like, go out there and score more than the other team. <laughs> <laughs> it's so good. And he's, I guess he's doing the whole skit in his mind, right? But yeah. he's never breaking character. And uh, it's nah. like they're laughing beautiful. at him. They're not laughing at him. They're laughing at his performance. No. It genuinely is a funny thing. Um, but that's the entire movie, right? I think that's why Toby Jones works so well in this, or even the Neil Baldwin character. Like, they treat it with so much respect, and you're never <laughs> laughing at him, ever, in this movie. And look how many films of certain eras that will laugh at people with disabilities or laugh yeah. at people. And it's just like, this film doesn't do any of that. Like, no, at all. I mean, so delicate. If this was done in the 90s, that. he would be cross-eyed and, and slurring yes. his words or yep. drooling or something else, like, really yep. offensive. You know what I mean? And yes, totally. Yeah, yeah they nailed it. Um... He, so next is Neil Baldwin gate crashing to the boat race, uh, which again, <laughs> I hitchhikes there and he always goes to watch it like down by the actual uh, riverside. But he's on the boat. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Watching yeah. It from the boat. And yeah. th- that's another funny thing. Like this guy's been given the opportunity of a lifetime to be their kit man. Yeah. He's like, you better he be here for the again. next win. He's like, I can't be here. I got a boat race. Yeah. Well, you can uh, watch it on TV. Oh, I don't watch it on TV. I'm on the boat. Yeah. How did you get on the boat? I asked. Yeah. <laughs> Just so I have met people like this in my life though, dude. Um, again, through work, that they want something, so they'll get like their parents to help them write letters. And yeah, it preys on the generosity of people. And like people the sometimes genera- like I have, I'm putting it the wrong way saying praying, but like it's not it's, a well, it's, well-crafted letter, and then the right person, like a celebrity or something, opens it and the, the story touches them, and then they're yeah. like, Fair play to you, I'm gonna reach out to you and 
it's that kind of story. Neil just seems to have so many of these moments in his life that it seems unreal. Storm, yeah. But it's yeah. not even, it's, it's the generosity, but it's also the patience, right? A lot of people yeah. don't have that patience to yeah. deal with somebody of his That's personality. True. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. Um, so it's after this when uh, somebody says a comment to Neil, so he decides to steal all their boxer shorts whilst they're playing. Oh, right. And they go, uh, the boxer, well, what did he say? Were they 60 quid or 60 pounds? 60 pounds, same thing. What's a quid? So, so a quid's short for pound. Oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, so they're 60 pounds. So they're so it's expensive. like saying a buck and a dollar. Yeah. 60 bucks. Same thing, okay. same colloquialism, yeah. Okay. Um, so they're expensive. Like, who's putting 60 pounds on boxer shorts? The deal says... Um, he asks him, how much do you pay for yours? He says, I don't pay for them. My mom gets yeah, them for me. My mom gets them for me. And again, Ian trying to be funny. Like, that's fact. Like, my mom Honest buys answer. them for me. Yeah. Um, and then so he steals all their boxer shorts and puts them all on, one on top of the other. <laughs> and he puts the 60-pair bottom on the bottom. Put them on the bottom. And then he's like, I'm wearing all of them. Yours are a waste of money. They're chafing right on my undercarriage. <laughs> and it's just like Lou McCart- like everybody's laughing except for the one guy who's fuming. Yeah. But it's so funny. And he just yeah. looks mad. He looks ridiculous in them. He's all these boxes piled up. But he takes um, no, like throughout the entire movie, he takes no shit from anybody. Yeah. Like he's like, right. Yeah. And he deals with stuff the only way he knows how to do it is I'm going to get you back. Yeah. And you're not really going to be able to do anything. Because everyone is going to be in front of everyone and everyone's going to be laughing and you're going to look like a knob if you try yeah, and do anything. You're the ass, yeah. yeah. I think his mom asks him, like, uh, what do you, people are going to be rude to you or something like that? And he's like, people are going to be nice to me. And if people aren't going to be nice to me, there's going to be others that are. Yeah, <laughs> it's true. Yeah. Um, so we get to a little bit of a sad moment where um, so mom collapses and she's in hospital. He thinks he's helping her by telling her that she's healthy, like the doctor and stuff. And the doctor's kind of getting a little bit flustered because he's like, oh, she's good. She's much healthier than me. She's always eating fruit and vegetables. I don't eat fruit and vegetables. Um, and then he's like, can you get the consultant? And he's like, oh, she doesn't need a consultant. She needs a doctor. And he's like, <laughs> Dr. Syed is a consultant. He's like, oh, is that Mr. Syed, the consultant? He's like, yep. And he's like, oh, very good friend of mine. And it's like, obviously, a learned thing, he said. Everybody that's ever done a good turn to him is a good friend. Yeah. Or anyone he's met who's given him the time of day is a good friend. Uh, can't go past this scene without mentioning that Portsmouth get a mention in there because somebody asks Neil, are we going to beat Portsmouth for the weekend? Um, you we haven't gotten very many Portsmouth references this season. No, no. Um, but yeah, so, um, just again shows Neil's like a force of nature that people just yeah. know him and like him. I got to say it sees him and he's like, oh, Neil... Tells him that Mum's had a heart attack and to be strong. This is like um, maybe the, the fifth or sixth time we see his mom kind of take a moment to collect herself. And there's always that pause where it's like, is she finally going to die here? But no, she keeps going. Yeah. Um, it talks about praying and then Neil's like not bothered. He's like, you go pray too because you pray to a different God. And he's like, the more the merrier everyone who's praying. <laughs> Um, and then he's like, we'll have her home in no time, which is another kind of repaired phrase. And Dr. Said's like, no, she probably will have to live somewhere else. And he still replies, we'll have her home in no time. So it kind of shows, it does show he doesn't quite understand it. And that's a, they're pretty good at, um, a lot of these things are like learned behavior, like stock phrases that people learn to say. So Comfort every other time almost. she's, yeah. Um, it's got like, if they, people repeat them ad nauseum, it's called like echolalia, where you just repeat them even out of context. 
least he's learned to say them in the correct context. Um, but it's still all again. He'll always say to about anybody being hospital, we'll have them home in no time. Same thing over and over. It's just kind of learned, no matter what somebody is saying back to him. Um, this is where Lou asks him how he stays so positive, and he says he's always wanted to be happy, so he just decided to be happy. Bad things happen, thinks about good things. And Lou's like, what? And he's like, think about the best signing you've ever made. Yeah. Um, Lou doesn't answer him there, but in a really sweet moment later on, when Lou leaves the club, he tells him, the best signing I ever made was you. And it's like <laughs> incredible. It's just like a very touching moment. Um, what a many. Yeah, he does. He goes out and does the shopping and buys a whole bunch of junk and then takes this to his mum. And she's like, what have you bought all this for? I've never eaten any of this that's stuff. Nice stuff. Um, but that's... And then Oh, that's such a childlike thing to do when your mom yeah, sends you totally. to the store with like five bucks and you come back yeah. with like comic come back books and utter garbage. Yeah. yeah. Um, so at this point that Lou Macara also quits to go to Celtic and Neil's clearly shook up but still goes to work very diligently. They ask him if he needs time off and he's like, nah, why would I need time off? Um, Neil says, would you like me to come? And he says, no. Sadie have no hard feelings. And at this point, who tells Neil that, unbelievably, he is going to play for Stoke City in the field and he gives him the number 12 shirt. Um, and then Neil says, I'm not as quick as I was, as I used to be. <laughs> and he says, eh, it doesn't matter. The first two yards are in your head anyway. Kind of talking to that like football intelligence, right? As players slow down. Like, we were talking about Ronaldo right now in this era. Like, Ronaldo age 37 is not the Ronaldo that was originally at Manchester United. Yeah. He's still got it because he's adapted his game. He's an extremely intelligent player. Never um, mind. The, well, it'd be out of date by now, but Cavani's, I think, 34. Yeah, same thing. Or Ibrahimovic. There's a whole bunch, whole clutch of them, right? They're just... Um, Cavani looks like he should be slowing down, but he gets like faster every year. I swear yeah. he's faster now than he was at PSG. Same with Ibrahimovic. I swear he's stronger than he's ever been. He's not as mobile as he used to be, but he shrugs people off the ball like you wouldn't believe like much younger men as well but oh yeah that's true but like maybe it's like, i don't know if it's like player scientists or people learning how to take care of their bodies better yeah i did think about it because there's more and more of them happening right and yeah it's happened with defenders for a while or like central like defensive midfielders goalkeepers has happened for a long time it's only like now that we're starting to see it with like more dynamic, like attacking players. So maybe, yeah, yeah maybe well, there's used to be keepers to playing till they were like 42 or something. Yeah, like yeah, exactly. It's, it's yeah, cool maybe to appreciate players longer, right? But, yeah. Sorry, I digress. No, it's cool though. Get players with longer the careers and get to enjoy them for more, right? Yeah. Um, so the testimonial. So he actually has a shave and stuff because his mum accommodated him before and he wears his best suit and goes to see his mum. He tells her all the good things he's done and how she's playing, how he's going to play for Stoke City tonight. And she starts to cry. Now, I kind of can't tell if she's crying because she knows she's dying or if she's crying because she's like, Jesus Christ, he's still not growing up. He thinks he's playing for Stoke City tonight. And it's kind of like that moment yeah, of like, point. oh my God, how's he going to look after himself? He thinks he's playing football tonight. I almost, I took it as pride. Like he's, I think he's going like to be okay. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, so we get to the game. And uh, Neil is sat on the bench and then Lou says to him, right, you're going to go on, get in the box and cause them problems. Score one for your mum, Neil, he says. Well, Nello. Um, he takes off the player that he called, the player called Thumper and he's like, well, play Thumper. <laughs> the guy's like, it's Bomber, not Thumper. Um, it's just like such a great opportunity. You can tell he's like soaking it up. Like, it's a, 
Like, even to this day, if I somehow got an opportunity where I could come on for Portsmouth in a friendly, it'd be incredible, right? Like, <laughs> let alone if I was somebody in his position, older, what have you. Like, it's okay, just dreams come true. You would be nervous as hell. Yeah. <laughs> Whereas Baldwin is just, he's stretching in front of this massive crowd and it's yeah. like he's out of day at the park. And he's like running around and doing really well, trying to get involved. And then uh, the ball goes out for a corner. And you see the corner we played, and all of the uh, Stoke City defenders, like kind of other attackers, are pushing the other oh, players away. Like, no, give Neil a go, give him. <laughs> you see uh, Neil jump up and land a perfect header, going straight in, brilliant. Um, we later find out that's not actually what happened. No, so who asks you? Did it actually happen like that? And it did not. No, it didn't. And it cuts like a sad changing room. And he's like, oh, I must have hit a bobble. And then Neil says to Lou, I'm really sorry for letting you down. After I slipped my marker. And then he's like, well, maybe it was when you fell over. <laughs> and he's like, yeah, I did sky the shot a bit. Like, he's genuinely disappointed he didn't score one for his boss. Testimony. Testimony. So funny. And this is where he tells him you were the best signing ever made no contest and shakes his hand. Um, like also funny but not funny now is where he finds out his mum's died but of course for whatever reason he goes to the old people's home dressed as a clown to find out this news yeah why was he dressed as a clown I don't know it's kind of weird he's definitely moved on after that right and he he goes as a clown and he's got the tears down the side yeah it makes me wonder is that a moment that perhaps didn't happen that was meant to show sadness or something that he so we almost actually see sadness from him until late. He kind of says, and again, another repeated phrase, he keeps asking people if he's doing okay, right? Yeah. And everyone's like, yeah, we're doing okay. Um, gives a really uh, nice eulogy. Um, definitely a tear-jerking moment. So um, he's, I don't know if that scene has really happened. So he goes to the home. He finds out that his mother has passed that morning. And he had already rang at that point. They told him mm. that she was fine to come in. When he goes in, yeah. he he speaks to the uh, the steward of the home. Uh, it doesn't sound like the news affects him. But then he goes home and he kind of sits in his couch or his uh, his sofa, and he just he finally breaks down. And yeah. that's yeah, one like of the most heart wrenching parts of the entire movie. Um, and again, like really. Like Toby Jones' in character for this whole film does a fantastic yeah. job, and to somehow find that from somewhere yeah, is just, just a, like points to his merits as an actor, like in the oh, performance man. again, right? Because it's just like this is not the character you're playing, but for right now, we need to show this incredibly. It's such a contrast from what we've seen for like the last 80 minutes, right? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, we kind of. Uh, uh, here and we do get a sense he's struggling a little bit. Joins the choir finally. Now he has time, um, but he's, he's like struggling. The struggles to buy the groceries and pay for them properly. Right. But he keeps asking people, "I'm doing well, aren't I?" When it's clear he isn't. Um, this is where Malcolm says to him, like he gets picked up late night from choir, and his friend Malcolm happens to drive past, and he's like, "What would you have done?" But I didn't come and he's like, well, somebody would have turned up and he tells him, you can't rely on everyone turning up for you all the time. And he's like, well, yes, I can, because you did. And he's like, well, if I didn't, like somebody else would. Somebody else would. Um, at this point, Malcolm calls a friend 
We don't really know who it is at this time. And he says he has a favour to ask. And then, um, we haven't really talked about this, but Neil tried to set up his own football club called Neil Baldwin Neil Baldwin Football Club, yeah. Neil Baldwin Football Club, yeah. And he's gone back to the university and the team is a real thing. And a whole bunch of players are there to show up. And then one of the players, he's like, I play in midfield. And he's like, no, nah, I do. I play midfield. <laughs> and then he's like, but who are you to say? And then Neil's kind of like, well, you'll have to speak to the chairman. And the camera cuts across and it's Gary Lineker. Gary Lineker. <laughs> um, so this isn't actually real. It was not Gary Lineker. It was Kevin Keegan. Was it? So, I was, yeah. I was reading an article in The Guardian where they tried to reach Gary Lineker and they couldn't, he would, he wouldn't reply to them and let him know yeah, either way. Gary so Kevin Ke- Keegan admitted Kevin to him. Was actually the chairman, Kevin King was actually the chairman of the Neil Baldwin football club. So why wouldn't they use him in the movie? I don't know. Maybe he didn't want to be in it or something. It is weird. Oh, fair enough. Kind of a yeah. like for like replacement, right? Yeah. Picked somebody of that era kind of. And, um, but yeah, but, and then, oh, so the other thing is though, the reason they picked Gary Lineker is because he's actually a friend of Gary Lineker's. Somehow. Baldwin. Yeah. Well, Somehow in everybody. life, became <laughs> friends with him. He's also friends, with, that was where I found out, he's also friends with the Archbishop of Canterbury. And he was also friends with uh, Prince Edward. Which one's Prince he's Edward? friends with Prince Edward. So that would be Prince Charles's brother. Like not... The one that recently died. No, that's Prince Philip. That's his dad. Prince Edward is still alive, actually. I don't know why I said was friends. I should have said his friends. Prince Edward is like the second or third child, I think. So his mum's the queen and Prince Philip. Prince Edward isn't the one that can't sweat, is it? No. <laughs> Prince Edward. I don't recognise this guy at all. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, his friends, he's got famous friends anyway. Uh, so yeah. Um, so we get that. Uriah Rennie shows up to referee a game. We're getting an all-star game of heel students versus an all-star team, which did actually happen. Lou McCary played in this team. Um, Gordon Cowens is a real player. I don't know if Uriah Rennie actually refereed it, but he was actually a Premier League referee, like yeah. uh, one of the like first late 90s, 90s, like mid 2000s. Yep. Um, I think early 90s, wasn't it? Might have been. I don't know. He was around yeah. for a long time, it feels like. He had a long yeah. career. He was a Football League referee before that. Um, <laughs> in this game, Neil misses a penalty, and the referee orders <laughs> it to be retake. Retaken because the goalie was off his line. Take Steps it. up the second time and he scores. And we see a collection of other Stoke. Well, I can know. Does this really well? So he takes the penalty and it cuts to a collection of a whole bunch of actual Stoke goals, and then cuts to all of the players, set the Michael, uh, the Neil Baldwin football club players celebrating with him. Um, and then, yeah, and then we kind of get a little cut, a montage of thing where we should get some facts. So Nello the Clown is still a legend in the clown community. Neil is still the manager of Neil Baldwin Football Club and he's one player of the year for the past 42 years. 42 times. Uh, Malcolm and Neil have been friends for 50 years. Lou McCurry is a pundit and Neil still talks to students at Kiel University. In 2013, he was awarded an honorary degree. And we see him being awarded that. Um, so yeah, that's pretty much the movie. Um, do you think, did you Google if he, so when did this movie come out? 2014? Yeah. Did you Google if he won the last uh, seven years player of the year award for the old Baldwin Elf? You figured <laughs> somebody not. must have disputed it at some point, right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, I didn't. 
Yeah. But all that stuff is true that he's still got that club. Uh, he did get given an honorary degree in honor of his uh, work. He was also named Stoke Supporter of the Year in 2015, so after That's this cool. film. Um, but yeah, he also has a book as well, just largely what this film is based on as well. So it's called Marvelous and Your Baldwin Story, My Story. And he uh, wrote that with the help of his friend Malcolm. Um, they kind of helped him publish it, I guess, and get all his thoughts down. Um, and he also is a, a British Empire uh, medal in the 2019 New Year Honours list for services in the community. Is that the MBE designation? Possibly. No, this is BEM. Uh, I don't know if that's different to MBE. Not sure. Like, I know Marcus Rashford got one for all of the work he's done. Uh, yeah, because he's helping the children with uh, school dinner stuff, yeah. Um, so, yeah. I think it's pretty obvious. We quite like this film. Yes. For me as well, it's the first time we've watched a film that has anything vaguely to do with like my career and stuff. It's not something I often see in films in general, right? Or outside of what we talked about, how it's poorly depicted. Yeah. Um, I just think it's like really brilliant at showing the wonder of life through like Neil's lens and just and yeah it go, it's properly sent me down a train of thought and stuff because I just do, I work with a lot of like-minded individuals so I kind of don't think about a lot of my stuff and it's like society today in 2021 right we talk about diversity a lot yeah. but we talk about it in like terms of race or country of origin and stuff or gender and things like that don't necessarily talk about diversity and include it's like it's not palatable almost to think about people with disabilities as a type of diversity to celebrate. Yeah, I think this film does a brilliant job of celebrating that. I guess you call it. It's called like neurodiversity. So like celebrating that he has something to give the world, right? Do you think he's just like the he's just like the tip of the iceberg. There's so many other people out there that have something to give. If only they have the like right people around them. I think it's like a very hopeful story like it's, it's just such a different it's perspective strategy, yeah, yeah. Um, do you think that's because it's almost they don't have that voice themselves to kind oh, of totally. call for that inclusion like, right yeah like a huge part of like my job now is like working with families and stuff where the parents are having to be such a strong advocate for their child because they yeah. know they can't be and if they're not an advocate for them now when they're like newly diagnosed or as they transition into adulthood, who's going to be there for them later in life to advocate them if they don't do it now and set the groundwork in. Um, And then the other thing is like, got me thinking like people see the disability and struggle to see past that, right? Like you see somebody in a wheelchair perhaps and have a conversation with them. If they can't hold the conversation with you, you kind of that's all you see and you think that's nothing. And it got me thinking about like people I've worked in the past, like worked with a guy in a wheelchair he was also mute, but had one of the like wickedest sense of humors of like anyone I've ever met. Yeah. He'd do like the stupidest things, of, like go into dark rooms, hide, and then make like a noise <laughs> when somebody walked in to scare people. Like stupid things like that. They had a really good sense of humor, but somebody sees him in the street in his wheelchair and thinks there's nothing there. And it's like there is. Yeah, you just automatically label and define them because that's the yeah. biggest attribute you see of them, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, when I was in college, there was two students uh, or two colleagues that uh, were both in wheelchairs, right? And of course, in college, um, that's kind of your time to go out and party when you're, you're done classes and stuff mm. like that. 
And yeah, I guess a bit at first it was jarring, but I mean, every Wednesday night, so I was in journalism. So we would do Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, uh, work on the school paper. Wednesday night, as soon as we hit send on that paper off to print, uh, we would go down to the pub and party, right? And every single Wednesday, I mean, they were there with us. Yeah. Uh, it took a bit to get kind of, I get past that or seeing seeing them from that perspective, but uh, yeah, they became part of the group, right? And so it's a matter of reaching out and kind of integrating and speaking to, uh, with everything, right? Speaking to different people and getting different perspectives and just mm-hmm. reaching out and having that dialogue, right? Open, open dialogue that yeah. kind of... Um, bridges everything yeah well, i think coming to a different place that football club where i genuinely would have been without neil yeah and think about that about other people so like you've got people that are in your like friend group there it would have been a different dynamic without those guys kind of thing it's like you got to have different experiences and stuff and it's just like people need to yeah and this film just does it it's like it's really hard to articulate this film just does such a good job of it yeah and some it's of it is beyond that yeah yeah some of it is like his sheer tenacity some of it's blind luck. Some of it's him being surrounded by the right people, asking the right people. Like, even when he wants to see um, Neil Benn, the politician, he passes the note to that police officer at the door. He passes that to the wrong police officer. He might screw it up and toss it in the bin and not care. Yeah. But for whatever reason, the guy's like, yeah, okay. But even like the, play, I'll the cop is note. like, he's probably not in. Well, can you go see if he's clocked in? Yeah. I'm not supposed to leave my post. And it's like, well, can you, can you go find somebody else to do it? So funny. And it's like, yeah. it's that perspective. And it's almost like word that simple, right? When he talks about how are you happy? And it's, I've decided I want to be happy. So I've done it. Yeah. And I guess from a child's perspective or somebody with special needs, it's so easy to just see it that way. Right. Where it's yeah. just a tunnel vision of black and white, very it's black and white. Yeah, yeah. Right. And, and for a lot of people, you, you want to see it that way, but no, there are so many other things that are happening in life that you kind of focus on, right? Yeah, like uh, you think how we all struggle. Yeah, and how yeah. we all struggle to like juggle our family lives, our work lives, and everything, and the like the clashing of all that and the anxiety inducement we get from that, and then not being yeah. happy as a result. And then for him to just be like, I can be happy, like. I'm either am or I'm not. And it's like yeah. in adult life, there's always something dragging you down. Yeah. Uh, you'll be perfectly fine and something happens. And, and yeah. just look at what he brought to like Stoke, right? Yeah. Like, just, it's almost infectious. But so this movie, okay, I haven't watched this other movie since I was a kid, but Forrest Gump, I watched it when it first came out and I must have been, I guess, 11 or 14 or 12 at that point. Yeah. Um, but he seemed like such a simpleton and like it was. The same thing where he kind of found himself in all these situations where I don't remember, but I think he owns like a shrimp thing at one point and he goes, Yeah, owns a shrimp point. thing, meets uh, Kennedy. Yeah, but the way he's portrayed in, in Forrest Gump, or like Tom Hanks portrays Forrest Gump, is a really simple character that just kind of like an idiot savant that kind of stumbles into these situations. Yeah. Whereas this is kind of like a real version of somebody who doesn't hear no and yeah. opens himself to these situations. So I don't know, man. This should be more popular than Forrest Gump. I know Forrest Gump is like the... No, I, I agree. I, big Spielberg blockbuster, whoever yeah, it was. this is but, a much better portrayal. Yeah. Obviously, smaller stake story. Like, he's not... It's just his impact on one club for one year, kind of. Oh, but then also all the students. Yeah. Kill for, like, decades. But, yeah, I get what you're saying. It's um, true. Like, think about how many lives he's touched, right? We're talking about yeah. small-scale story, but... Uh, how many thousands of people in a stadium uh, for Stoke, players on yeah. that club... 
people that he's greeted every day at the Keele University. Clown. Yeah, I mean, freshers uh, weren't late for their first lesson because of him or something and set them off on the right path for their studies. Like, yeah. Yeah. The clown stuff, yeah. Like kids bringing kids joy by like pouring glitter on their heads and stuff. <laughs> yeah. Really good. Yeah, really good film. All right. Um, so let's move on to number ones at the time. Ooh. The number one song at the time was All About That Bass by Megan Trainer. Wow, it's been seven that. years already, yeah. Yeah. So that's a hell of an earworm of a song. Very catchy and annoying. Yeah. Um, but it was pretty big at the time. I, I remember. Be. And she's still around now, right? Yeah, she's made a nice little career for herself, yeah. And number one at the box office was The Equalizer, Denzel Washington. Um, not a film I've ever seen. I, I'm not a Denzel fan. Uh, Just like I hit and miss. I like to some things. Yeah? I don't know. Um, I think, what's that film where he sort of travels through time? Where he can look back and there's a, he's trying to stop a girl, from a woman from getting murdered by is seeing on the how... Train? There's something on the train? Ah, uh, Source Code. Maybe there's a bit on a train. It's a bit on a bridge. I can't remember what it's called. Oh, I'm trying to look for it really quickly now. Uh, come to me. Just me find it. I don't know. Isn't the film a TV time. show now with um, uh, uh, Queen Latifah? Yeah. Yeah. Out of Time is the film I'm thinking of. of 2003's Out of Time. Denzel Washington. Yeah. Um, anyway, move on from there. Video games in that week, actually, coincidentally, FIFA 15 came out that week. The first mm. next-gen version. Yeah, which is the whole reason I bought an Xbox, actually. I bought the game before I had the Xbox. I didn't buy the game, but I had the game before I bought the Xbox. Um, <laughs> I won a code on a, some internet giveaway thing, a digital code, and then I was like, my friend, I had a few couple of friends already had Xboxes here, so I was like, ah, screw it, I'll get an Xbox, and I've already got FIFA, I may as well. Yeah. Stuck with them ever since. I, I think uh, Xbox had a Black Friday sale, so I bought FIFA 15 mm. <clears throat> for like 39 bucks, and then I bought the Xbox at Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> so for a month, I had it sitting in uh, sitting in my like Xbox account with no way to play it. I remember it being pretty good. I think that was like, was that the first year they added um, international women's clubs or teams? I remember, but it was a good version. Um, it, the only problem with it was it was one of, they kind of flip-flop between this a lot. Their pace matters and then it suddenly doesn't. So that was one of the oh, years right. where if you had a fast winger, they just bombed down and you could just pile crosses in yeah. left, right, center. One year defenders are like OP'd and the next year yeah. Yeah, they, like, they nerf goalies to like account for that. Yeah. Yeah. And football at the time, Portsmouth lost 2-0 to Burton the week before this film came out, which is somewhat bizarre because we literally lost to them 2-1 two days ago. <laughs> um, 2014 saw the LA Galaxy lift their fifth and currently last MLS Cup. With David Beckham. Yeah, I guess it would have been with David Beckham. I watched that one. That was a good one, yeah. He, David Beckham is such a smart like marketer. So they won the MLS Cup and the first thing he did was run to get a, a British flag the of course what's the name of it the Union Jack Union Jack yeah and then he held that because I think it was his last year with the Galaxy and then anytime you saw the shots of them winning the MLS Cup there was this giant Union Jack so like mm. all the attention was on him yeah that guy knows Brandon yeah and it wasn't long after that he played for Great Britain at the Olympics yes what was it in 20 
Interesting. Over the, when was the Olympics? 2016? 20, 2012 would have been London. Yeah, 2016 would have been Rio, I want to say. Oh, okay. So maybe actually, maybe it just played for England in the 2012 ones, actually. We only had a men's team in it. We don't typically send the men's team. Um, also, uh, Greg Varney was two weeks into his uh, term as manager of TFC. We all know what happened after that. He was was that the bloody big deal? He was appointed 31st of August 2014, so he'd just been two weeks in. So, yeah, maybe Jermaine Defoe was signing around this time as well. That is probably like 90% sure that was 2014. Yeah, yeah. January 2014 was when we uh, did the bloody big deal campaign. We brought in Jermaine <laughs> Defoe. Um, man, what an exciting time. Yeah, because that was Defoe. Michael Bradley signed around that time as well. And then I think we had... Um, it wasn't Altidore yet. It was another guy... You had the goalkeeper as well, right? Julio, Julio Cesar, yeah. It was a big sign, like a big deal, like an international yeah, goalkeeper. Yeah, he had like right? a cup of coffee with us and then went on to the, the World Cup. And we had another Brazilian player named uh, Gilberto. Oh, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I don't know if you've ever seen it. So there was like this amazing moment from TFC at that time where they weren't great. Like we were in the start of a, a rebuild that actually mm. uh, was successful Worked, at the end of yeah. it. But there was a moment where Jermaine Defoe, there was a free kick. Jermaine Defoe puts the ball down to take it or Gilberto puts the ball down to take it. Jermaine Defoe starts arguing with him where they actually get into a shoving match. Huh. And he's like, like literally, I'm Jermaine Defoe. I'm the one that's going to take this. Uh, so they get pissed at each other. Uh, yeah. Jermaine Defoe walks away, giving him shade. Uh, Gilberto knows, nails like the cleanest rocket you'll ever see, right? Mm-hmm. Scores, and then Jermaine Defoe runs up to him and he's just like, just smiling. Ear to ear, <laughs> grin, like, yeah, you got me. I'm an idiot. <laughs> so... That year, but you know, we had amazing Onyx kits that year. I don't know if you've seen those. Those are the ones with like the maple leaf pinstripes. Oh, yeah, yeah. I know the yeah. one. I have one framed here actually with Bradley's signature on it. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, 2014 was a cool year. It was the start of a rebuild and then better things ahead. Yeah. Um, it was also the year that Germany lifted the World Cup in Brazil. The tournament right. probably notable for that 7 1 thrashing Brazil. Brazil, that was insane. That was mm. that was a moment. I remember watching that live at work, and then the yeah, next day, I people. I remember what I listened. I was driving home because I really wanted to catch it, and I was like, "I'll get home before there's any goals." And get home before the second half, and I'm just listening on the radio, and I'm like, "What the hell is going on? Why am I stuck in?" <laughs> like, I think I was on like Steels in Brampton, like stuck in traffic. I was like, "Why am I stuck in traffic on Steels listening to this on the radio?" <laughs> We watched that at work. We had a we had a giant projector set up, and we were all watching nice. in disbelief. And then the next day, people kept uploading the, the highlights, the Pornhub, and titling it like uh, <laughs> "Seasoned Germans Punish Young Brazilians" or something really oh, like saucy like that. But yeah, that was a moment. Too yeah. Funny. <laughs> uh, so yeah, so that's it for footy at the time. Uh, so now onto footy flicks. Yeah, is that hell of a lot? But what there is in there. Is pretty damn good. Like we get quite a, get quite a few training scenes, which seem for the most part they don't resort to that. Let's only show their feet trick. They do it is a lot of the actual actors doing stuff, and they're doing simple stuff because yeah. it's training scenes. But it looks decent. It looks high energy enough. And then um, you see the odd little bit when like Neil's on the sidelines and stuff, and then yeah. we get his big match. There's some bad green screen and like the yeah. the testimonial match, but there's one shot of Neil just standing there, just completely like slumped, waiting for the header to come in, uh, waiting for the corner to come in so he can head it. 
love that one shot. I'll put that one shot on our Twitter or Instagram at some point because it's just hilarious. Um, but you know what I really liked? So the the green screen was pretty bad in the, the Stoke stuff. But then mm. when they did the Neil Baldwin FC stuff at the end, it seems like they just threw a ball at the actors and were like, just mess around. We'll film you guys just messing around. Yeah, that's true, actually. And I guess because there's less, because it was just on a field, right? There's less yeah. uh, pressure. Nothing, yeah, some of the yeah. green screen was, especially for that goal, the bit where the defenders are all clearing each, the attackers are oh, clearing the yeah. defenders out of the way. That's pretty bad. <laughs> they all kind of stand out in a weird way. It doesn't look like... There's no depth. Yeah. Right? They're all composited right. very clearly. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, you can tell there's... Is in a studio, the lighting is just completely wrong because there's no yeah. floodlights coming down on them where they'd be like a bit overexposed. Yeah. Um, but no, those, yeah, those scenes with the Neil Baldwin FC stuff where there was no yeah. choreography or anything, it was just guys go have fun with uh, Toby Jones for a while. Yeah. I thought really those were good. cool, yeah. Um, any other flight flicks you want to mention? No, I know that's about it. I mean, there didn't need to be a ton of stuff. This was about the kit man versus the, the, uh, the players, right? So I thought it was, mm-hmm. it was enough. Okay, so we will move on to ranking. So, we have the rankings here. From the bottom, My Summer with Des, number five. Number four, Baggio, the Divine Ponytail. Number three, Soccer Dog. Number two, <laughs> Looking for Eric. Number one, Rudo Yipusa. <laughs> Still funny that Soccer Dog's so high. Um, I can't see it hanging around in third much longer. But can we? I think last season we ended up bumping Shaolin Soccer down a bit. Yeah. It was a movie that we were really high on last season, too. And we were like, what was wrong with us at this point? Uh, but uh, Soccer Dog was hilarious. Sure. The only thing that might beat Soccer Dog in the rankings is Soccer Dog European Pup. But we'll sure. get to that bridge when we cross it. So Getting ahead of ourselves. Getting yeah. ahead of ourselves. So marvelous. I know there's where I'm going to put it. There's only one place it can go for me right at the very top. Top of the table, yeah. Yeah. And Good. It took like, it literally took me, I think, two minutes to fall in love with this movie. Just when it opens up with the Delilah scene at the choir. Yeah. They took like maybe a minute to go through his like adolescent years and go mm-hmm. right to um Toby Jones as Neil yeah. Baldwin. And it's just perfect, man. It's such a good movie. I couldn't think of any way to improve this movie really. No, other than special effects that we just talked about, but that's not even the focus of it. Who cares? Yeah. Like, it's so inconsequential. That's not the... And it's also a fake moment. Like, in school, in the head, right. it didn't happen. Right. So it doesn't true. even really matter. Like, mate, you can dismiss it as it's meant. It's a dream. It's Uncanny Valley or something. It's not meant to 100% be. 100% true. Oh, yeah. So they should have added some, like, or Diamantino, the amazing soccer scenes in Diamantino where it's like, <laughs> all pink, some fluffy. Smoke and pink fluff, yeah. They just had a bit of smoke or something. Yeah. Lean into it yeah. Um, so that was a very quick round. Let's just talk bigger picture. Do you see this film as being like up there when we come to doing the whole merging of rankings again? On the master list. Yeah. I We're talking like Summer of 92 and Damned United, our two previous champions. You see this film as being a contender up there with them. So what's number three? I think this is going to be really... This, oh, man. It's hard. Is this better than Damned United? I don't know. I don't think it is. Do you know why? So I watched this film, thought, okay, this is like one or two for me. But then I listened to uh, 
Falls on Film did an episode on the Damien I like two weeks ago, I think it was. Listened to that episode and I was like, ah, you know what? Damien I is a bloody good film. So yeah, I'm not sure. I think it'll be an interesting discussion when we get to that point. Because Summer 92 also has a ton of heart. Yeah. But same, it also blends that really well. With, with very heartfelt moments as well and stuff yeah. in there. It's got comedy. It's got, I mean, the football scenes in that are amazing. And yeah, the character moments are also really well done. Yeah. So Mm -hmm. it's it's not like you can automatically leapfrog. No. That movie. I think it'll be a hard discussion. Have you been keeping track of your master list? I've been trying to, but yeah. Okay. I have mine on the, on the drive. So don't, don't look at it. (laughs) But I've been putting, I've been popping these movies in. Because you did that last year, right? Yeah. So yeah, I've been putting them in on my own little table. So I got an idea. Wait a sec. Okay, I screwed something up here. I just I opened mine up and I took a look at it and I had Soccer Dog ranked fifth overall, which is Oof. definitely not. <laughs> Jesus. I didn't well, everyone that. can look. Everyone can look forward to that at the end of the season where we argue about Soccer Dog being fifth. Jesus. <laughs> okay. okay. Um, so that's going to do it for today. Um, Mark, why don't we plug our social media a little bit? You've been really busy. We should scheduling uh, a bunch of content on there. Yeah, I mean, we have uh, tons of new followers. I think, I think I was really trying to limit who we were following and stuff like that, and we were trying to go after a certain audience. And then Adam, you were saying go after podcasters, and I was like, no, they're just promoting their own podcasters, or their own podcasts. And um, kind of made sense what you said. Like anybody who listens or makes their own podcast is probably really interesting in listening to podcasts. So we have like 400 followers now, which is awesome. That's awesome. <laughs> and, it's, and it's really cool because like I've started listening to Balls on Film. Yeah. Is the yeah, uh, yeah, Field of cool. Dreams guys as well. Like, And they're so. both really good shows that I'm now probably going to listen to weekly. Yeah. So we've, um, we've stopped trying to go after the football fan and realize that we want to be part of the community. And like shout out to uh, Field of Screens. Uh, we've engaged with them like on numerous times now. Those guys are great. Um, yeah listen to their show if you haven't already but they're always plugging our stuff uh we return the favor and they've also kind of introduced us to like way more podcasters out there who are talking about like uh, other horror movies uh, sports movies yeah. everything mm-hmm. um so it's been cool uh but yeah, yeah on our twitter and our instagram we're putting a lot of new features out there uh we're doing starring 11 which is uh the player versus the actor so right now i think we have like bobby charlton on there um and then how he looked portrayed as Jack O'Connell. We're going to have Baggio on there soon with, um, I can't remember his name. I think it was something, Archangeli. Angelo Archangeli, maybe. Uh, so yeah, you get a cool comparison of how the actor looked versus the actual player. Um, and yeah, I'm just putting more stuff on there, like what we're watching right now, uh, released on this day. So I think it was on a few days ago, a few weeks ago, uh, maybe about a week ago. Mike Bassett, it's 20 year anniversary. I cannot believe that. <laughs> Which is insane, right? Yeah, so we're going to do lots of cool stuff like that. Um, try to feature more movies, not just the ones that we've watched, but put out feelers out there for what people are interested in. I mean, funny enough, we put up a picture of Green Street Hooligans on Instagram. Mm-hmm. Um, and that got like way more likes than I was expecting. So people just love to see a picture of Green Street Hooligans, I guess. And if we ever do review that movie, that'll be another like 16,000 views one. We'll take it. Funny enough, yeah. So, don't think your sequel will get many views. Yeah. So, follow us on Twitter. Uh, follow us on Instagram. That's all we have right now. I don't think we're getting into the TikTok game quite yet. But um, if you're listening to this, also subscribe. I think you need to hit the bell to get notifications of when we're back on. But 
uh, and just engage with us. We want to know if you like the format of the show, anything we're missing. Do you want to hear more trivia? Do you like hearing about stuff that's happening uh, at the time of the movie's release? But give us feedback. Let us know uh, what you guys think of the show and what you want to see on the show. Helps us get better. Exactly. And what guests right. do you want? Yes. <laughs> give us your Try. guest wish list. Um, where can people find you, Mark, as well on the internet? Uh, I'm at A3Football on Instagram and Mark83 on Twitter. This one. I am Joypad Goalposts on both. I actually put a video on my YouTube channel today about eFootball that we talked about earlier. So yeah, check that out. And I'm putting some FIFA 22 stuff up on there, hopefully tomorrow night. Yeah. Sounds good. Yeah, all right. So that's it. Thank you very much for joining me, Mark. And um, from the theatre of dreams to the terraces, we are Match Day Matinee. Thank you very much for watching. Good night.